Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 937. Now hear the word of the Lord, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Please pray. Father, we do give you thanks, as called for in Psalm 100, and bless your name. Be with our pastor Parker as he brings the sermon directly from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. We are called to worship the Lord as his people with thanksgiving for some really good reasons. We're going to explore some of those reasons this morning. You know, I think as God's people, we are uniquely qualified to, uh, to participate in thanksgiving this week. Uh, as those who have received the, the work of the Spirit in our hearts, as He has taken the scales off of our eyes and we were able to see the world as it really is, to see that we have created nothing, that everything we have does not come just from the work of our hands, though He may use the work of our hands, of our hands. everything we have comes from the Lord. And as we think about especially salvation, how He has taken People like me, a great wretch, a vile sinner, and has given me a new heart and made me one of his people. We have so many reasons to be thankful. And we who have the Holy Spirit inside of us are enabled to give God thanks as we come to him in faith. But you know, I think there is tension in our lives For while we are uniquely qualified to give God thanks, and while we have many reasons to do so, and an infinite number of reasons, an eternal number of reasons, the fact is we're just not very good at it. Maybe you are. I know I'm not. See, I know that I battle my heart right and left everywhere I go. I battle sin, I battle pride, I battle selfishness. And all these things are great threats or great enemies of a thankful heart. But you know, God doesn't leave us without hope, praise the Lord for that, in any area of our lives. He does not leave us without direction. And so we read as the inscription uh, to this psalm, a psalm for giving thanks. Oftentimes when we read the Psalms, we skip over those first little bits. But I specifically asked Tom to make sure he read that first little bit that appears in a different typeset above, uh, or in most Bibles, a different typeset above the, the actual text of the Psalm, because that is part of the Hebrew. 
That is part of the psalm. And this is a psalm given to God's people, we don't know who wrote it, to be used in festivals. Perhaps Thanksgiving festivals. They had one of those, by the way. It wasn't called that. It was called the the Feast of Weeks. Uh, To give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 100 is a great psalm as we seek to learn better how to give thanks to the Lord as we head into this Thanksgiving week. But it's a very personal one for my family too. This was my grandmother's favorite psalm. She died when I was in the fifth grade and she was such a woman of faith that I still remember what her favorite psalm was. It's one of my mother's favorites and they grew up uh, reading it around the Thanksgiving table, something that we actually hope to start back this year. My wife and even my son have memorized this psalm and, and now I've memorized it this week as well. Although Thomas, when he gets to bless his name, he says bless his heart. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure the Lord will take it for what, how it's meant. Um, so as I look at this text, I want us to, to unpack it, these four different stanzas. Uh, and see how we might use this psalm and others to to worship the Lord, to give him thanks. And we'll identify a few challenges along the way to a thankful heart in our lives. Um, You know, in in Hebrew, excuse me, in Hebrew, pray for my voice, if you will. In Hebrew, there is uh, not a very clear distinction between um, the, the command to worship and to give thanks. In fact, many Hebrew scholars would say, in fact, there's no distinction that the only way that the Hebrew speaks of giving thanks is by publicly praising the Lord for specific things he has done. And so that certainly fits with the context of uh, Psalm 100. Well, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 here, stanzas, stanza 1, calls us to worship. Now, just like a call to worship in, uh, in, a, in our order of worship, this is not just a throwaway time of time of transition. I think oftentimes we just kind of, okay, now the announcements are over, we're going to hear the preacher say a few things, and we'll pray, and then we'll finally get to the real work, we'll get to the singing. Um, A call to worship is an important thing, because it calls us out of a busy life, it calls us out of uh, the business of getting to and from. You never know who's had an argument in the car on the way over here, or the kids screaming, are they sick? You know, what's going on? You never know what's going on in someone's life when they walk in the store. They're sad, they're depressed, they're lonely, they're, they're frustrated, they're, they're afraid, they're mad. You just never know. And so a call to worship serves the function to call people out of their lives into a special time of worship before the Lord. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Note, this is a, a call for us to come to the Lord to worship him, not just his people, but to all the earth. Now, this is not talking about the rocks and the grass and the meadows. This is talking about all who live on the earth, all peoples. We even might say there's an evangelistic or a missional aspect of this psalm. That, that we are called as God's people, especially we see this in, in, in stanza number two. But all the earth is, is called to come and to worship the one and true living God. This verb that is used here uh, to, to make a joyful noise, we actually saw it last week in, in Joshua chapter 6 with the fall of Jericho. Do you remember what caused the walls to fall down? It was the joyful shout of God's people at the end of that uh, seventh time around on the seventh day when the trumpets were sounded. And it's the same word that is used here. It can be a, a war cry, but it especially is a cry of victory. And do you know we can't spiritualize this word? We can't just say this word means that we should have a a, a warm, fuzzy heart. This involves our mouths. 
with this in, 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 in line three of stanza one, to come into his presence with singing. As God's people, we are called to be a singing people. We are called to be a people that, that verbalize the thanks, uh, the thanks and the worship that God enables in our hearts. To make a joyful noise. You'll, I'm sure you've heard the story of uh, an old lady at a fictitious church, I'm sure. Who was sing- whose singing had two very important characteristics. Now the first characteristic is she knew every hymn in the hymnal and she sang with gusto. She had one volume and it was loud. And it was so loud that everyone in the whole church could hear. But she, oh man, she just, she sang with such joy. Such joyful noises came out of her mouth every Sunday. However, the second characteristic was that she was always a half step off. She always sang off key. And so the whole church could hear her. She would sing with such joy and her arms lifted up and her, her eyes closed. And she was just singing just such terrible, terrible uh, noises coming out of her mouth. And so finally someone came up to her and had the guts, the gall perhaps, the sinful gall to say something to her. And she said, honey, the Bible says make a joyful noise not a pretty one. And I think it's something we, can, we should take to heart. Uh, I've asked Frankie to turn my, my mic down this morning as I was singing, and I don't know if he has or not, but, but I've cracked at least four or five times this morning. Um, my option was to not sing or to sing. And if it's on the tape, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, But... We are called to make a, a joyful noise, even if it's not a well-trained one, even if it's not a particularly beautiful-sounding one. As God's people, we are called to be a singing people. Just like there's no category in the Bible for Christians who don't go to church, there's no category for that. There's also no category in Scripture for believers who don't sing. That we are called to sing out loud as our, our hearts bubble up as we sing worship to God. This is meant to be a wholehearted worship, by the way. We see this with this uh, next line, uh, line two. Serve the Lord with gladness. You'll, you'll notice that each three of these lines are started with what's called an, an imperative, a command. Make, serve, come. These are imperative, these are commands. These are not optional things. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. Now, serve is an interesting word in the Old Testament. It, it can mean a lot of things. One, it can mean that we serve the Lord like in the temple. This is temple service. The, the priests were said to serve the Lord in the temple. But certainly, we live in the New Testament now and or after the coming of Christ. And so, we, we think of serve as we serve our Lord with our whole lives. That's where gladness, that's where gladness is a very important one. And it means all or nothing. It means with a, a whole body joy, not just a, a partial one. I grew up with a friend, a man named Hanson Luquire. I went to his funeral about a month ago, and one of his characteristics was that he just had one of those contagious laughs. And he was a, a big gentleman. And so when he laughed, it was a whole body experience. And it would start in his belly and it would come up and it would just be infectious and everyone in the room would just be laughing with him. It was a whole body thing. And this is how our service to the Lord and our worship is meant to be a wholehearted, whole-bodied, whole-soul kind of experience. 
serve the Lord with gladness, with all that we are. How do we give him thanks? We worship him, we serve him, and we come into his presence with singing. And note here, I think we see one of the enemies, one of the four enemies we're gonna look at to a thankful heart, and that is lack of intentionality. That we are to come into his presence with singing. This, is, this would mean you had to get up and go. And I think when we think about if we're thankful, oftentimes we lack intentionality we kind of back into thankfulness if we do at all. But as believers in Christ, we are called to be intentional about, about remembering and giving God things, thanks for all that he has done for us. That means pausing at the dinner table. That means stopping in our lives, maybe even writing down a list. There's a challenge, um, is it called 10,000 blessings or 1,000 blessings? It's a, a ladies' Bible study. And, and they challenge you to list either a thousand, I'm sure it's a thousand, a thousand things you're thankful for in your life. And they all say, you know, it's hard once you, you know, to get started. But once you do, you just, you just can't stop. The Lord starts bringing things to mind. I think that's a great spiritual exercise as we give God thanks for all that he's done. We, we are called to be intentional. And perhaps this week as you gather around the Thanksgiving table, perhaps in Bruton, perhaps around uh, the state, we'll be in Demopolis as, as we stop and we give thanks to the Lord, perhaps have a time of Thanksgiving, an intentional time of Thanksgiving when we go around the table and thank the Lord and speak of how much we're thankful for in, his, in our lives. We are called to worship, to give thanks to the Lord as his people. And we see this in, in the second stanza of verse three. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, God has, his na- has a name and his name is Yahweh. And that's what this text says. It looks redundant, but it's not. Lord, all caps, means Yahweh. This is his personal name. It is the name of the God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Abraham, as he casts his eyes upon the heavens and look at the stars. Uh, He is the one who led his people to the Red Sea and the Jordan River. And then last week, he destroyed the walls of Jericho. This is the covenant name of God, and he is our God. We are not to worship a God. We're not to worship one of many gods. We're not to worship the God of the day. We are called to worship the true and living God, L-O-R-D, Yahweh himself. This Yahweh himself has come and he has made us his people. From, from time before time existed, he chose for himself a people and then in time and space he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins that we might become his people When it says that he made us, I think Calvin is right when he says this isn't referring to making of our physical bodies. This is talking about making us his children, that he has made us his people. We are his people and he has made us his people, something that only God can do. Perhaps this is the greatest thing that we should and can be thankful for, that he has made us his people. We see this in John chapter one and verse 12, that, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. What a staggering thing that we would become his people and that our God would become our papa, our Abba, our daddy. Grace upon grace. But, but here I think we see too a, another enemy to a thankful heart and that's forgetfulness. Because see, I think we forget all the time that our God is our Father. How do I know that? Well, I know I do in my life because I live my life in fear. I live my life with anxiety. I live my life forgetting that my God is the creator and sustainer of all that ever existed. We forget. 
We forget the many blessings that God has given to us. How easy it is to have that spiritual amnesia and perhaps even that apathy as we forget. Perhaps you're like me when, and when I'm going through a hard time and I pray very fervently, Lord, deliver me. And then I get through it and say, man, I did a great job. <laughs> oh, I'm so prideful. I'm so selfish. Or even worse, I just forget to give him thanks. And then I'm overwhelmed by the very next thing. I think as believers, we, we face these, this tension of our hearts that we lack intentionality and that we just forget all that he has done for us. I had a seminary professor who spoke of an assignment when he was in seminary. I'm really glad he didn't give it to us. Uh, and it was, they were given a short passage and they said, okay, go home and make 50 observations about this passage. It's a short passage. It was hard to do. So the professor, before he was a professor, the student, he wrote it all down and he got it all down. He turned it in, thankful he was done with the assignment. And the professor took the page and handed it back to him and said, okay, I want 50 more, pa- 50 more observations tonight. And came back. Happened two more times. So by the end of the week, he had to make 200 observations about a small passage. And he said, you know, at first it was really hard, but then once you really started digging through and really started observing what was going on, there was a lot in that passage I never saw. I think we're unobservant when it comes to God's things that God has given us in our lives. I think our eyes are blinded by pridefulness and selfishness. I know they certainly are in my life. And we forget all that he has done for us. So I charge you this week, remember, remember, remember all that the Lord has done for you. Well, we get into the third stanza here. So we're told that we are to um, worship and give thanks to the Lord as his people with thanksgiving. We see this in, in stanza number three, verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. You know, the Old Testament worshiper was meant to come into the physical church, I mean, into the physical temple courts. As he would go into the temple, the gates of the temple, there were many different gates you could come into the temple um, uh, footprint, the big temple uh, facility. Uh, and then you would go into one of the many courts and you would worship here and there'd be worship services in the open air. And this is what he's ta- talking about, to draw near and to give praise to the Lord. Now we as those who live on this side of the cross, we have even greater access to the Lord as we're told in Hebrews chapter four that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. The veil has been torn in two and we no longer have to come before the Ark of the Covenant where the Shekinah glory uh, resided over the Ark. This was God's uh, special throne room on earth but the veil has been torn and now we have even greater access than the Old Testament priests as we run personally in the name of Jesus by the power of the spirit to the creator of all things we have great access but I think here too we see there's tension in that we often go to the wrong address we often address our thanks to the wrong person as we talked about in the children's sermon you know our parents our friends our children they give us great things even our paychecks you know we we earn these things And we forget that these are but uh, means by which God blesses us. By friends giving us fellowship, by doctors giving us healing, by jobs, by giving us uh, provision. These are but means by which God blesses us. Every good and every perfect gift is from our Lord and our God. Perhaps the most heinous form of this when when we give thanks to the wrong addresses, when we give thanks to ourselves, 
We give thanks to ourselves and we see ourselves as the source of all that is good in our lives. There's a great spiritual cancer in that. And as we come into Thanksgiving, you know, now they've made Black Friday Thursday. Have you seen this? Uh, Walmart is open at 6 p.m., I think, or maybe even earlier, I think. I was talking to somebody this week who works at Walmart. He's got to be there all day long. I mean, just how terrible is that? That's a soapbox. I could get on about that. But, um, you know, the fact is that as we think about Thanksgiving, we start thinking about all the deals we got to get to get the good deals for Christmas. You know, our, our Thanksgiving season is just hijacked by materialism. Instead of stopping, and even football and hunting season, these are great things. But of all the years, this is a, this is a season that says, okay, stop. And let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's, let's actually do it this year. Because when we live thankful hearts, it changes, it transforms us. We rely more upon the grace of God, less upon ourselves. I know, my friends, we need him greatly. Well, <clears throat> we are called to worship the Lord as God's people with thanksgiving for good reasons. That's kind of a catch-all, isn't it? We could, we could spend the rest of this week talking about the good reasons why we ought to praise the Lord. We see this in the fourth stanza, verse five. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Oh my goodness, there's so much in these three verses we could spend time on. But his goodness, you know, the Lord is good. And, and indeed, we would not know what goodness was unless God revealed it to us. He is the definition of good. And my friends, God is always good to us all the time, even in the hard times. God is in control of the hard times and he brought them to us for a reason. And even then, he is good to us. There's tension there, I know. But God is our loving father and he is in charge. And even in our hard times, he is good to us. And here's one of the enemies, I think the last enemy we'll talk about this morning, is unbelief. I just don't always believe that. When things get really hard, when Lizzie's screaming in my arms, or you know, we've had sick kids this week, you know, is God good? These are minor things I know. We don't always believe. Our hearts are fickle. And we struggle with unbelief every day. And God's steadfast love, do we doubt often that God loves us as a father? That our sin really does not change his love for us? That our situation at home really does not change his love for us? We doubt God's steadfast, never giving up, always and forever love, as one children's book puts it. But his steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. And his faithfulness, that he will be with us tomorrow just as he's been with us today. It will never change. What great things we have to be thankful for to the Lord this year. So think about how he's gotten us through this year. Perhaps it's been an awful year. Perhaps it's been a terrible year for you. Because we think about these spiritual realities of how the Lord is good to us and his, his steadfast love does not change and his faithfulness today is just as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. But when we don't believe and we, when we walk through this life with disbelief or unbelief, we live in fear. And fear really is the enemy of thankfulness because fear uh, focuses our attention on the possibilities of what might or might not happen in the future. And it causes us no longer to think and back about what God has done for us or the current, the present, what he is doing for us now. Fear will rob your thanksgiving. Well, we all know how I must end this sermon. We all know that the thing that we ought to be most thankful for is the provision of salvation in Jesus Christ. That we are his people and this is not an empty thing for, in order for us to be his people 
or to save his people rather. We are his people. In order to save his people, God had to send himself. The Lord Yahweh, he had to come, the very one who uh, appeared to Moses and appeared to Abraham, appeared to Joshua, that he appeared on the earth in the form of the God-man Jesus. And he would die on the cross for our sins and remain in the, in the grave Friday night, Saturday. And he was raised from the dead Sunday morning. And he's ascended in heaven, and one day he will come again to judge the living, the quick, and the dead. My friends, we have much to be thankful for, that Christ has borne our sorrows, borne our griefs. He's forgiven us of our sins, and my friends, I'm thankful that one day he's coming back. I'm thankful for the future, that God's got it in his hand, and he's coming back soon. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful We are thankful for the many gifts you have given us, the many evidences of your grace, of your goodness and steadfast love and faithfulness, how it is manifested amongst us in so many ways. We're thankful for your steadfast love, and Lord, we pray that you would help us as we fight these enemies of a thankful heart, Lord, that this season, this week especially, would be a great time of thanksgiving in our lives, that your name would be highly proclaimed proclaimed around our dinner tables this week. It is in the name of our matchless king we ask it. Amen.